everybody. Welcome back to the Midnight Terrors podcast. My name is Kevin, and I am your co-host here with my co-host, whose name is... Oh, this is Diamond, and you're here with Diamond and Bucky, as per usual, for the Midnight Terrors podcast! Yeah, buddy, and uh, Jason, we just had a fucking blast recording our Evil Dead Rise episode, which just came out yesterday. There was a little bit of a delay in that, but it's out now for people to hear our thoughts on the new Evil Dead movie. Yeah, it was a good weekend, man. Like, we we don't often get a chance to uh, go see something together, Um and uh but we made it a point for this one we were like yep we bought our tickets ahead of time we were like yeah we're seeing this one uh day one. Oh um, hell yeah so you know that was fun yeah no it was it was a good night we were out with uh as people heard we were out with mr and mrs j and a couple of their friends and my brother sean and then it was you and me and it was a packed theater and uh it was fun. So if uh, there's a good chance if you're listening to this episode, you might not have heard our Evil Dead Rise episode yet, and it just came out yesterday. So uh, go check it out. Hear our thoughts on the new Evil Dead movie. We had a good time recording that one. Um, yeah, it was good stuff. Jason, my brain is going to be a little more um, scrambled <laughs> in our conversation tonight uh, because our movie... Under- understandably (laughs) yeah so we circled back to you um if you all listening remember uh we kind of trade back and forth as far as movie picks goes when it's just the two of us and uh the last move like evil dead rise wasn't really anybody's pick that was just a given that we were going to do that as our episode for that week because we love evil dead um but before that before that my pick was um house of a thousand corpses which was another fun one and which i would have picked anyway but oh yeah but uh yeah so we circled back around to jason for his movie pick this week and this is yet again another movie that i'm surprised it took us 44 episodes to get to um yeah (laughs) i can't believe it took this long for it to come up but uh we're finally doing american psycho yeah, and I th- I think this was one um even when we got started um I think this one that like just off the rip we were like what movies are we going to do or what would we like to do and I think this was probably one of the first ones that I mentioned. Yeah, um, well well so, this yeah. <laughs> I was going to say this came up on a list early of movies that you would subject me to on the podcast. Um and we've yeah. been, we've been planning to do this one for a good few months now. We've just always uh kind of s- kind of sidelined it until now um but i'm glad we're finally doing it i think this is going to be a very interesting in-depth discussion uh because i know that there's a lot of um you know widespread commentary and discussion and interpretations about american psycho and i'm excited to uh to dive on into that discussion yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of subtext and there's a lot of social commentary um and just with the movie in general, aside of, you know, whatever kind of message that they're trying to send, um, just watching the movie can be confusing. Um, you got to watch <laughs> it a couple of times. Yes. Now, unfortunately, I'm at the disadvantage of having only seen it once. I just wrapped up watching it like... 15 minutes ago. Um, So it's very fresh in my head. And I was so taken aback by what I had just seen that I actually had to re like read the plot summary 
right before we jumped on to record, uh, just to make sure I had all my sure. thoughts like together. Um, and yeah. I think I'm still going to have questions watching this. I definitely think that this is a movie that begs to be rewatched. Um, and it's something that I'm going to definitely revisit, um, probably a few times. And I kind of want to read the book too, that it's based off of, you know, for comparison at some yeah. point. Um, maybe if I'm feeling, uh, <laughs> feeling like I just want to torture myself, I'll watch American Psycho 2 with Mila Kunis. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Future pick on the podcast. You'll have to watch that, I'm sure. But uh, uh, I, love me, I love me some Mila Kunis, but please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, right now we'll stick to the good one. Um, but uh, yeah, no, this was definitely an interesting watch. And I'm glad that I finally um, got to see what all the all your love for this movie was about, because going backwards like we usually do on our introductions into movies uh like i said i just watched this for the first time and wrapped it up about 15 minutes ago but oh boy do i remember this side of christian bale on a uh what was it jason a blanket that you had oh yeah 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 I had with, a, uh, um, with patrick like, bateman on it one of those yeah, kind of one of those uh, throw uh, fleece blankets. Yeah, yep. and it had the had the cover uh, where he's holding the knife, yep. and you can see his reflection in the knife. Yep, yep. Yeah, no, it was a badass blanket, and I actually have a pretty vivid memory of asking you what that was. Um, I right. don't think it registered to me at the time that it was Batman, <laughs> that it was Christian Bale. Um, yeah, well, and. Uh, well, at at the time that you saw it, Batman would have been out. Um, oh, absolutely! But but this this is the first time, um, other than Empire of the Sun, which is a Steven uh, Spielberg movie. Um, Christian Bale is in it, and he's like he's like thirteen or fourteen years old. <laughs> um, so very 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 early is an understatement. Um, but uh, other than Empire of the Sun, I think this is the first time that I remember like Christian Bale just sticking with me. Yeah, I um, think first... I, I think that this is the first time that a lot of people took notice of um, of Christian Bale here. Because, um, you know, I always forget because he plays American so well. I always forget he's not American. Yeah, yeah, no, he's British. Um, is he British or Australian? Uh, he's British, I believe. Okay. Maybe that's Hugh Jackman I'm thinking of that's that's Australian. Yeah, yeah, he's British. Okay. Um, one of my favorite actors, though. I mean, you know, this guy, even in a bad movie, can can outshine everyone. Oh, yeah, he does everything, man. Um, And I actually, just the other day, not a horror movie, but... um. I had never seen uh, American Hustle. That's got uh, him and Bradley Cooper. Yep. Um, like I had never seen it before, and I was just cruising through movies, and I was like, "Ooh, I've never seen this. Let me watch it." And he's amazing in that too. Like, I mean, the dude kills it. I love him in The Fighter um, with Mark Wahlberg. Like, I mean, um, The Machinist, which is another good horror movie. Um, I have never seen it, but I have seen clips and images of how freaking tiny Christian Bale is in that thing. That is, yeah, petrifying how he much weight how much weight he lost. 
Yeah, he got down to like 90 pounds. Um, this is so crazy. Like insane. Yeah, for his build. Um, and they even had to have like special like medics on scene while they were shooting the movie because they shot it in Toronto mm-hmm. in the middle of winter. Oof. And they were worried about him being so skinny that he was going to get hypothermia. Yeah, like very filming certain scenes. Very uh, similar to years later when uh, Joaquin Phoenix did that for Joker. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, well, and then the the impressive part is too is like when he finished uh, the Machinist. Like, I mean, looking far past anorexic. Um, six months later, he did Batman Begins. So yeah. he goes from like ninety pounds to like beefed the fuck up. Well, I was going to say, you've, <laughs> you've heard that story, right? Where he bulked up to become Batman and Christopher Nolan had to tell him that he was too big to play Batman and he actually had to lose some of the muscle. Yeah. yeah. Like he was like, he wasn't even ripped. He was like jacked. <laughs> it was like, it was like a yeah. hundred, it was like a hundred pounds of pure muscle. Um, yeah. He was looking, he was looking like, Tom Hardy Bane. Yeah. And and <laughs> um, I can't I love that Nolan story. Was like, nah, you gotta slim it down a little bit, but Yeah, I love that I love that story of Nolan saying that you have to become less muscular to be Batman. That's just yeah. fantastic. You're, but you're you're too jacked to be Batman. Yeah. But that's Christian Bale, man. He's uh he's just a phenomenal actor. Um the first thing that I would have known of his wasn't a live action role, it was a voice role. Um, but I don't think I knew it was him at the time. <laughs> uh, I was a Disney kid and still love Disney. And he voices Thomas and Pocahontas. Oh, really? He does. Yeah. Um, I did not know that. He voices Thomas and Pocahontas. Um, obviously, I knew Batman later. That was the first thing I noticed of him. Um, sure. But like, I know it's not the best Terminator movie, but he's a great John Connor in Terminator Salvation. Salvation? I actually, Salvation over a couple of different, over a couple of different watches. Like the first time that I saw it, I was like, me, but over, over a couple of watches, like it grows on you. Yeah. I actually like Terminator Salvation quite a bit. I think it's pretty underrated. Um, a movie that I wasn't crazy about, but, Christian Bale was really good in it. I don't know if you've seen it. It was a Western movie called Hostiles. No, no, no. no. Or Hostiles, I guess. Uh, it was like no, a, I haven't seen it. It was like a, I think it's a Civil War era, like Western movie where he plays um, like the lead role in that. He's really good in that. Um, oh, okay. And... Yeah, he's just he's just a phenomenal actor. Say what you will about Thor Love and Thunder, but he is the best part of that movie as Gore. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Dude is so creepy in that and he just completely outshines everyone else in the movie. Yeah. But um Well, so he does this this character like Patrick Bateman <laughs> for American Psycho. I mean, like I I can't see anyone else doing it. Like, no, he just plays it so well. And you know, what's funny Um, now watching American psycho, I see elements of Patrick Bateman in almost every, every role that he does. 
Oh yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> like his Bruce Wayne might as well be something of Patrick Bateman. <laughs> like Bateman when he's when he's serious or when he's uh, talking business or whatever. Yes. Um yeah, absolutely. And then Gore um, Gore in Thor Love and Thunder has the the oh boy, I'm losing it. Some crazy shit. Like he's got that side yeah. down down pat with yeah. uh with Gore and that's very Patrick Bateman as well. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I noticed watching it now, like I said, this is my first time watching it. Um, and, uh, I'm just noticing that he has a lot of Patrick Bateman isms in his other works, which I think is kind of cool. Yep. This is definitely a role that he, uh, you know, that he kind of trademarked. And this is what, I mean, everybody know, even if they haven't seen the movie, everybody knows Christian Bale, Patrick Bateman. Yeah. Well, and there's there's even you know a little funny tie back uh, very early uh, Jared Leto um, in oh, here dude. too. My, yes, uh, there's a lot of people in here actually. Um, yeah, know, there's a ton. Yeah, and I want to get to you know your history with the with the movie before we do a plot dive. But I mean, looking at the cast list when the credits got rolling, obviously Christian Bale, but Josh Lucas, Reese Witherspoon, Willem Dafoe. Yep. Uh Jared Leto, I mean yep. what the hell? Uh, Jared Leto. Uh yeah, I mean it's it's jam packed. Yeah, it's a um it's a great cast. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um and um the I you know this is a, this is another movie like with my history with it um I I can't recall specifically the first time that I saw it. Um, so this was, I do this, believe this was 2000. So how old were you in 2000? Yeah. So I was uh, in 2000, I would have been, uh, 16. Okay. So you were in um, high school. Yeah. So, well, I do remember, um, because I, th- I think I mentioned before I was, I was a hot topic nerd and I worked at hot topic. Um, <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> you know, back and, when, back um, when hot topic actually, was actually like cool. Yeah. Yeah. We actually had fun <laughs> and actually Mr. J and I worked there together. Love um, it. Mr. J, Mr. J was my manager. Um, but, um, <laughs> love it. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I, I remember, and, and it's funny that you mentioned, um, that kind of throw blanket that I had, mm-hmm. um, with American Psycho. Cause that's where I got it was from Hot Topic. Makes sense. Um, but, um, <laughs> I had, I had never seen it and we, and we started, we started getting all this merchandise in, um, for American Psycho and everybody was like, you haven't seen it. You haven't seen it. And I was like, no. Um, and so when I saw it for the first time, I, I had no idea what I was stepping into. And by the time it was finished, I was just like, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> like what? Like, because it was, uh, it, I, I didn't know what to do half the time. Yeah. Like, it was like, should I laugh at this? Because it, like, nine times out of 10, I was laughing at it. Um, but it's brutally gory. Um, and I, there's some just awful kind of, um, you know, violence against women and just, just these really weird oh, dude. <laughs> scenes going on. My, 
but at the same time you're laughing like you can't help but laugh yeah i'm i'm laughing at some of it uh there's some stuff in here that i was like fucking hell man um yeah patrick bateman is a complete shithead asshole to women in this movie oh yeah like he is he is so awful to women well, and that's and that's that's part of the commentary, or kind of the underlying tone um, with the movie, um, especially because it takes place in the eighties. Um, yeah, eighties, eighties Wall Street. Know, yeah, eighties Wall Street, and and um, you know, still at the time, like in the eighties, and by the way, book written by a woman. Also, I, movie directed by a woman. I saw that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, the both the author and the director, you know, were trying to definitely tie in, you know, this this kind of like you know, men are dominant, you know, women are just objects, um, or just something just to be had, something to be owned. Um, and, and that reflects a lot in the movie because a, a lot of it is, you know, these asshole Wall Street guys have no life other than what they can attain. It's just yeah. like, who's got the better thing? So is who's this got the better a... car? Who's got the better card? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So is this, uh, is this supposed to be like, so I haven't read the book. I don't know if you have, is this supposed to be like a parody of a wall street rich person? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cause I had, now that you're pointing Definitely. that out, that actually yeah. makes sense. Like I saw the commentary in here about the, um, you know, the, the treatment of the mistreatment of women here by, you know, being objectified and just abused horribly. Um, but now that you're pointing it out, I never know. I didn't fully notice that it's 110% aimed at the rich, awful people <laughs> that, uh, you know, that kind of step on everyone else to, uh, to get where they are and just treat others horribly. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, that's, that's also the other point that they're, that they're pointing out that like, you know, these kind of like one, you know, what they want to call one percenters. Yeah. Or, you know, like, you know, just like the ultra rich and they didn't do anything to attain it. It was just like daddy. Daddy was a lawyer and owned a business. And so now I own the business or I'm partner in the business and basically don't do anything. Yeah, you know, and, it's just kind of like I, I come from I come from money, so I have money just because I didn't really, you know, earn it. Yeah, and you know, by any means. Yeah, but, and that's yeah. and that's they make a point in here. Um, I can't remember which character says it, but Patrick says I can't do something that night, and oh, I think it's his fiance. Uh, she says Reese Witherspoon says your dad owns the company. You can do whatever the hell you want. Right. Exactly. Like she's like, she's like trying to get him to go out on a, go out on a date or something. And she's like, she's like, your dad owns the company. You can do whatever you want. And he's like, I want to fit in. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Well, and that's another subcontext is, is the, 
the demand or uh, you know just it, it, whether whether you're in high school or it, it's it's just a social like commentary like whether in, you're in high school whether you're in middle school whether you're you're at your job you know whatever like it just everybody's desire to like fit in and just be part of the crowd um and one of the things that i that i love about this movie is in which we'll talk about it a little bit more but is that nobody knows who patrick is yeah they they know the name patrick bateman but the reason that like he kind of like gets away with what he does or you know moves around in his like little social club or whatever like they don't they call him like 10 different names they call him halberstram they call him you know and it's just because they all look the same um yeah. and he even says something about um you know he wears the same glasses that i do he wears the same suits that i wear he goes to the same barber like and it's just like all these dudes are just the same they're like cookie cutters of each other so they can't even tell each other apart yeah like and that it, it has a lot to say about just like people you know want to be want to fit in want to be part of the crowd well, pa- um, and well, that can be detrimental yeah and there's even an internal aspect to it too because patrick bateman says you know what you see in front of you when you look at me is all aspects to a human, you know, flesh and bone and hair um, and all that stuff. But yeah. yeah, but he says in reality, there is no Patrick Bateman. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's like, so, you know, well, he he doesn't he doesn't seem to know who he is either. Exactly. Exactly. Because he's he's so ingrained in fitting in and being part of this crowd and everything like that that he's just lost all sight of himself he just he just wants to be part of this club and that's just what he's been raised as i mean that's just that's just who he is so (laughs) and then as you and then as you go on and we'll touch on we'll touch on this in the plot summary but or the plot summary but as you go as you go on through the movie he kind of ends up depending on what what theory you subscribe to he in some ways ends up breaking the norms that he's used to as he goes on he's like i have these certain drives and these certain behaviors and this everyday wall street stuff is is not for me i'm not fulfilled here yeah yeah and and you can you can argue that that um, kind of drives him to be what he is. Yeah, and like you know, you could look um, you could look at it as like yes, it's an extreme version in that. Well, I want to be a serial killer uh, instead of a Wall Street guy. Extreme representation, maybe, sure. but it's also like right. like fuck everything I grew up on and what I'm supposed to do. This isn't me. Yeah, but that's yeah, that's that's it's it's an extreme version of it or an extreme point to take it to but it it gets the point across that like you know when you're when you're kind of ingrained in this or or everybody tells you what you're going to be or how you're going to grow up or you know you've got to fit in you've got to do this you got to do that somebody trying to break away 
from that because they don't want that. Um, yeah. But then, so, like we're we're touching on a bunch of different. Oh yeah, no, there, this this conversation is um, going to be all but, over the place. Yeah. So, but yeah, so let's like so so let's at least get in, into the plot a little bit. Oh yeah, so, perfect, perfect segue. Um, so this this is your movie, man. So you uh, this is your pick, your movie. Uh, you've seen this way more than I have. You know, give us a plot. What is American Psycho about? So basically, um, Patrick Bateman, who is our main character, um, he is just this. He doesn't even have a specific job. He's um, he's just kind of like this Wall Street guy. Um, his family came from money. So he's never really had to do anything in his life. Um, and he is just kind of this cookie cutter version of every other dude that's on Wall Street. Um, but you can tell he has some um, obsessive compulsive uh, tendencies. So like pretty much the the beginning of the movie, um, he's he's talking about just all the kind of obsessive things that he does, uh, they don't sound like super obsessive. Like just, he's just talking about his workout regimen and how he cleans his face and what he uses to clean his face. And just like, it's, it's kind of OCD stuff. Um, but it, it just kind of leads you into like where he's at mentally. Um, and as the movie kind of progresses, you know, he's just this guy on Wall Street, and all all he wants to do is fit in with the crowd. Um, it's all about who has the most stuff, uh, who has the most money, um, who who can do better than everyone else, no matter what it is, whether it's a restaurant reservation or or a, just it, just stupid stuff but it matters to them it matters to him and it matters to his co-workers and the people that he's trying to fit in with um but because of his ocd and because of all of this like kind of like over the top like trying to outdo each other um he slowly kind of descends into into madness um and he's so he doesn't admit it, but he's so tired of all of this that he's got to do something different. And so what he does that is different is he starts freaking killing people. <laughs> um, and he starts with hookers <laughs> um, and then just kind of progresses from there. It's just basically um, because he can do whatever he wants and nobody checks him on it. Um, I mean, he can just do whatever he wants. So he just starts doing whatever he wants. And I think that he wants to push the boundaries of, okay, what can I get away with? Or, or how extreme can I go without anybody fucking with me? Um, and so then it kind of goes from there. So, um, I mean, I guess probably, well, so er early parts of the movie, um, and again, um, it's it's really funny. It's hard not to laugh at um, because when he's like going through his workout regimen in the morning, he's doing like all these crazy crunches and, uh, you know, doing a face mask on himself and all this. And 
in the in the meantime in the background he's either got porn going on um <laughs> yeah or he's or he's got texas chainsaw massacre going loved on. loved that loved that yeah uh yeah, and there's, so a, yeah, there's little... a really there's a really funny um callback to texas chainsaw massacre later on in the movie as well yeah he's a, yeah oh yeah 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 um but, but yeah I, so it's 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 kind of his is his slow descent into madness and it starts off very vague at first and then just kind of as the movie goes along it gets more extreme yeah um, and uh so so i mentioned the movie joker earlier with joaquin phoenix and I noticed, like, I was listening to a podcast about the movie Joker and I've actually been kind of wanting to rewatch it because I love that movie and I haven't seen it in a while. Um, yeah. You know, kind of similar. I know that Joker gets compared to, uh, you know, Taxi Driver and King of Comedy and Martin Scorsese films, but um, very American Psycho-ish yeah. after watching, after now having seen American Psycho. Um, but it's almost like the reverse where... Patrick descends into madness, but he's a dude who has like everything versus the flip side with Joaquin Phoenix, where he's a guy descending into madness who has nothing. Nothing. Um, and I thought that, you know, no, it's a, it's a good comparison. So I think, I think it, I think watching American psycho now, I kind of see its influence in other movies like, Joker or even, you know, even in the Nolan films, you know, like uh, Tom Hardy's Bane has a lot of, you know, stuff about rich people and the stuff they do in The Dark Knight Rises. Joker has, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of Joker in Dark Knight has a lot of uh, commentary about people just being awful to each other and, you know, having these supposed rules and stuff like that. And I just, I thought it was cool now seeing the movie, realizing how much, how deep its influence goes for being kind of just this little cult movie from 2000. Well, and one of of the funniest things uh, about the movie, and there's, again, like sometimes you don't know whether to laugh or to cry. Oh, we'll get, we'll get into some (laughs) specifics of that. There's, there's many instances uh, where I was actually chuckling and I don't know if I was supposed to. Well, especially early on, um, I do love, so Bateman with his, with his OCD, Mm -hmm. um, he's obsessed with music. Yes. Um, he's always listening to anything new that he, he he can get his hands on, um, and analyzing music and like breaking it down and giving like his reviews on it. Which um, I want to say and, right uh, out of the. I mean, I want to say right out of the gate, amazing soundtrack. Oh yeah! Like, dude, it's, there like, are it's so huge, many good songs huge. in here. Huey Lewis in the news, um, uh, Phil Collins, uh, Whitney, Phil Hugh- Collins and Genesis, Whitney Houston, Whitney Houston. <laughs> yeah, but, um, so it, it's funny that he obsesses over music like that. And, and even to the point, um, where he's ignoring people, mm-hmm. like people are like trying to talk to him. Reese Witherspoon is his, uh, fiance. Yep. Um, and, and, and they're not even, 
they're not even engaged because they like each other. It's just like a status thing. Well, yeah, it's like it goes back to that thing we talked about earlier where it's like this is just what I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to I'm going to sleep around with exactly. other I'm going to sleep around with other women like <laughs> like I'm going to have an affair with this other yeah, woman who's I'm going to have an affair with this other woman who's supposed to marry someone else and then I'm going to pick up some prostitutes and then I'm going to flirt with my coworker. Yeah, and they and, and they all just ignore it. Yeah. Because just because it's like, ah, the, yeah, that's what they do. Yeah. Um, we're we're gonna get married for for the status and 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 because that's what we're supposed to do, mm-hmm. or you know whatever. Um. So, um, yeah, I mean, even to the point where he's got his <laughs> he's got his headphones on and he's listening <laughs> to Hip to Be Square, um, while she's trying to talk to him, she's like. We should really get married, Patrick. And he's like, "What?" <laughs> she's like, <laughs> she even has to like take his headphones off for him because he's just totally ignoring her. He's like, "I don't give a fuck." Like, yeah, what are you saying? Like, I don't care. Let's put this out there. One of the best parts of the movie, and I usually don't like this in movies. Um, I don't usually like narration throughout the story, but because of the tone that American Psycho goes for where it is kind of dark, funny, snarky remarks. It actually makes Christian Bale, like it actually works his commentary. Patrick Bateman's like thoughts going on throughout the scenes. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's, it's not really like, uh, like I guess for the first, like maybe 30 minutes or so and maybe the last 15 minutes like so it's not hugely consistent through the movie no um but it 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 does it does uh like just lend itself to like the character development like what's going on in his head yeah it's not Um, so it makes sense and it's not annoying yeah no it's not overdone um and again the lines that he's saying are just kind of funny (laughs) you know like uh it's just used right, and it actually, you know, ans- like enhances the movie for me. And uh, you know, so let's let's walk through the um, the plot, and you know, we're introduced to Patrick Bateman. But before that, um, you know, quick little tidbit: I like opening credits, and I love that the opening credits look like blood being splattered onto a canvas at first, and then you realize it's like syrup or something for a really oh, yeah. for like a really fancy dinner. <laughs> It's yeah. like syrup on a plate. I thought that yeah. was really mm-hmm. fun. Um, and then we got Josh Lucas in here as yeah. one of one of the Wall Street guys, and always like seeing him in here in in movies. Yep. And then um, my other dude, um, crap, I'm gonna have to look up his name. Um, I love him. He was in the Leftovers on HBO, um, and he's written and directed a bunch of stuff he's not usually an actor um but i'm gonna look it up right now i can't remember his name yeah Um, while while you're doing that we get you know the great introduction to patrick uh where he's sitting around with his wall street buddies they're at a fancy restaurant and uh they're just some of the like (laughs) some of the snootiest rich people ever like the stuff that they talk about is just so absurd Oh yeah, um, <laughs> like oh Justin Thoreau. Yes, yes, I remember that. 
Yes, Justin Thoreau is great, man. Yeah, no, um, he is. He's he's written and he's written and directed a lot of good stuff. But yeah, he's in here too. Um, he's kind of one of the other Wall Street guys. Yeah, um, they just they talk about the most like pointless stuff. Like their conversations amount to nothing. Like they're you know talking about like who who's dating who. They're talking about. Where, like you said earlier, where their dinner reservations are and who's got what business account like at work, even when they're not at work. And it's like it's just no, well, it's just nothingness talk. It's just like I mean, it's yeah, like and, we're, and, we're rich people being rich people. Yeah. And, and the classic um, I mean, the classic scene, which I, I feel like just about everybody knows is their business cards. Yes. They're sitting around the table and um there's been many parodies of it with people like throwing out Pokemon cards <laughs> and stuff like that. I will say <laughs> it is pretty badass that they all have little like holsters, like little cases for their business cards. That made me chuckle. Yeah, they have business card holders. Yep, yep. Um and yeah, it's almost like they they flip them out almost like flipping a gun out of a holster. <laughs> yeah, and um, I I noticed what you said earlier that they never really outright say what it is that they do, what Patrick Bateman does. Um according well, to it, according to Wikipedia, he's a bank investor. Right, but when you look at when you look at their cards, mm-hmm. um, so that that seems funny for a couple of different reasons because um, Bateman's obsession with the cards, like, and and all of their cards look exactly the same. Okay, so like- I'm so I'm not crazy because Patrick is there stewing over. He's mad that Paul Jared Leto has a. Yeah. a more pristine card. Yep. Yeah, a more pristine card than him, and I'm like, it looks ex- it looks exactly the same. And then Patrick's commentary is like, well, and that's- Patrick's like the audacity of him having this special shading and this this white background. I'm like, yeah, lo- it looks, ju- yeah, it looks just like your card, yeah, man. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, look at this, look at this subtle lettering, and and they even like they even say like this is um. It's because they they're all white cards, yeah. but they're they're like oh that's bone, and like and <laughs> the, it's Cillian rail for the for the the text or or whatever, and they're, and they're like going over it, and it's literally, I mean, if you put all of the cards right next to each other, they look exactly the fucking same, okay. but that's like part of his obsession. Okay, I'm like, glad I'm glad that you said um, that because I thought I was going crazy and actually missing something. Like, what am I not noticing about the cards? Because no. I'm because I'm seeing the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's no, that's the whole point of okay, it. Okay, good. Is that Patrick is just Patrick is just so obsessed that and the uh, the other point of it too is like these guys have nothing more to worry about. Than the like, style of their business their cards. Business card, like, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Their conversations amount to nothing. And then Bateman gets pissed because um, everybody is uh, talking about how how awesome Paul Allen's Jared Leto's card is. Yep. And he's like, I can't believe they prefer his card to mine. 
And it's just like, and so the other part of that scene too, is when you look on, when you look on the card, when it says their, their title, like they're all the same thing. It's like, I think it says like business or, um, vice president of business or yeah i think i think it all says exactly what the title is but they're yeah i think it all says vice president which also confused me because i'm like how do they all have the same job yeah it's yeah but like they do the they all do the same they all do the same job but they all like work for the same company like i was like how are there four vice presidents so that makes sense now that that was supposed to be (laughs) one of patrick's ocd moments and like you know, we get to meet him and yeah. like he's going around town making his rounds with his fiance, um, doing get trying to get something out of his laundry, like trying to get a stain out <laughs> where he's yelling at the laundromat person <laughs> and she's yelling at him in another language. He's like, I can't understand you. Um, but he's yeah. And that's that's funny, too. Um, because we'll, we'll get a little bit deeper into this, but, um, so obviously Bateman kind of a little later on starts killing people or you, you see him, yeah, and you know, he, murdering women and stuff like that. So well, that he's, opening he's, scene, um, because he's showing his cracks, like showing the cracks a little bit because we have what I assume are like just thoughts in his head. But like he'll be at the bar and try to give a bartender a voucher for a really expensive drink. And she's like, these aren't good anymore. It's a cash bar. And then he's like, hands her the cash. Oh, but then she turns her one back. One of my favorite lines. Yeah. He, she hand, he hands her cash. looking ca- in the mirror. He's like, you stupid bitch. I'm going to stab you in the throat and play around with your blood. Yes. So <laughs> I, I, I assume that that's him. And that's Waller back's turn, too. But I, by the way that scene plays right, out, right. I assume that's just a thought in his head and him just starting to lose his sanity. Like he didn't right. actually, he didn't then, actually say that. But then you also see him, I think it's, right, right, exactly. Um, but then shortly after that, um, you see him taking his sheets to the dry cleaner and uh she says, you know, we, we, we couldn't get it out. We couldn't clean them. And he says something about it being cranberry juice. Uh, yeah. Cause he sees, yeah, he sees some chicken. He's like, Oh, it's cranberry juice. Yeah. But um, he's, he leans into the laundromat which, person and he's like, he's like, if you don't stop it right now, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And yeah. like, you know, so in you the, see all these little early. Yeah. Well, like in the bar scene, like it could be because, you know, jumping all the way to the end, like the big like twist ending is that you're kind of left in the dark as to whether Patrick Bateman is really killing people or if this is just like him losing his mind and it's all in his head. So I'm sitting here. Exactly. So I'm sitting here thinking about scenes that I saw, meaning like, is he actually saying this stuff to people? So like with the bartender, like, to me, I just thought that it was so quick that that was just in his head. But then at the same time, he could have said that when her back was turned. He's in a loud ass club with music playing. Well, and that's that's what's cool about the movie, and and, and I guess it is better to kind of just give the reveal or or everything now so that we can analyze it. Yeah. Um. Because yeah, I mean the the whole point of the movie is once you get to the end you're you're sitting there wondering 
because he, if he is, if, if he had been killing everybody, he got away with it. Yeah. If he wasn't, it was just all in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's certain scenes throughout the movie where you're like, okay, was he, wasn't he like, what's like, um, but yeah, so he's, he's playing around with all that stuff. And then the, the kind of the first thing that he does is he takes, uh, Paul Allen, Jared Leto. Um, well, no, 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 no. He asks him out to dinner. Well, no, oh, b- wait, wait. before dinner, uh, there's a, Jason, I'm not going to lie. This scene made me really scared to watch the rest of the movie because this scene was so upsetting. Uh-huh. It's right after they got done comparing their business cards and Patrick Bateman is thinking about uh-huh. about going after Paul and he takes a angry yeah. he takes an angry stroll out through the alley and he meets the homeless man. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I thought that was a little bit later. Nope, but it's yeah. it's before that. And he's like, I want to help you. And he comes off real nice and then like just mercilessly and viciously kills this homeless man and his dog, which I really <laughs> really hated. Yeah. Yeah, I hate yeah, I hate that stuff too. Any anytime there's like animal cruelty, um well, that like, messes with me. Well, like, but no, the, it's, the, it's, the death of the homeless man was upsetting enough. But the, I mean, as soon as he kills the dog, I'm just like, oh, dude, this is so upsetting to me. And I got, I got real nervous to watch the rest of the movie. To be honest with you, well, That's, and it's, it's, it's weird too because you, you see, um, and he, he does it a lot with different people, where like he's talking to the homeless guy and he's like. At first, you think like, "Oh, okay, um, he's he's gonna try and help him out. You know, he's gonna give him some money." And at first, you know, the homeless guys are like, "Oh, thank you, thank you," and he's like, "No problem." And then he just switches, and he's like, "You worthless piece of shit! Like, why don't you get a fucking job? Like, fucking clean yourself up. Like, work. Like, do something. Like, and just starts like demeaning him." like as hard as he can and then just stabs the shit out of him um yeah, so that that, that that like that death scene was was very upsetting for both the homeless man and the dog yeah and, and that switch that you see coming out of him um is crazy because you know he, it, at first you think he's like oh you're you're like, oh, he's going to try and help him. And then he flips and just like, you know, turns into a, a fucking psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, all over, but... all over petty, petty stuff, too. It was he was angry because people were admiring Jared Leto's card, Paul's card over his. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then and then we get to what you were talking about, where he's now got it in his head that he's going to do something about Paul, about the Paul problem. Right. Yeah. Because Paul's, Paul's card is better than his and he can't let that happen. Uh, (laughs) Well, he also, he also is like, you know, how dare he have a nicer apartment than me? And how dare he get a reservation at the restaurant that I want? It's like petty. Oh yeah. He's got a reservation at Dorcia. Yeah. It's like Uh. petty, petty (laughs) shit. Like, yeah. 
Um, just stupid shit. I also, I also, I don't remember where it happens. I don't know if it's before or after the Paul stuff, but I love when, oh, it's before because he finds out that Paul got a reservation to Dorcia's when he takes the, the, the person that's on all the drugs out, the woman, uh, and yeah. she's yeah. like, you got us a reservation at Dorsey. And he's like, yes, I did. And she passes out in the car and he goes into the restaurant with her. Yeah. She's like, are we here? This is it. And he goes, yes, it is. And he holds up the menu and it's a different restaurant. Yeah, it's yeah, it's Texarkana. <laughs> yeah, that that made uh, me that actually made me chuckle. That was like really funny to me. Well, and he he also takes um, he takes Paul to the same spot, too. Um, because he knows that there's no one there. Is it the same restaurant? Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't notice that because it looked like they were in a different room. Yep. No, um, it, it, like it, where they're sitting is different, but, but it's the same um, restaurant. Okay. He takes, yeah, yeah. He takes him there and, um, even Paul. So, so this is kind of where the movie like really kicks off. Mm-hmm. Um, is he takes he takes Paul Allen out, um, and Paul doesn't even realize that he's Patrick Bateman. He thinks that he's someone else. I can't remember what uh, name he says. Uh, Marcus. Yeah, yeah, Halberstram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's not yeah, that's says, that's not really because Patrick Bateman told him he's that he's Marcus. It's because Jared Leto was just like so uninterested in him that he just assumed that he was Marcus. So Patrick's like, "Oh, I'm yes, just gonna I'm it. just gonna roll with it." And then actually, there's a a funny little tidbit at the at the dinner table where he um <laughs> he uh, he's sitting at the table with Paul and yeah. uh, he's like, "Is that?" Uh, so and so Trump over there, and he goes, "Silly Patrick, I mean Marcus." <laughs> like, yeah, um, yeah, and it, so that's kind of that's kind of a important part of the movie too. Is that because even in the scene where they're swapping cards mm-hmm. and where you see Leto for the first time, and even him going out to dinner with Leto. Like Leto thinks he's this completely different person. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, he's he's mistaken me for Halberstram because we wear the same suits, we have the same glasses, we have the same haircut." Yeah, like blah blah blah. So yeah, he just rolls with it. He's just like, "Oh, he thinks I'm Halberstram, so I'll just roll with it." Um, and then he takes him to that that restaurant, um, and. Uh, it pisses him off even more because <laughs> because uh, Paul or or Leto is like, man, this place is dead. Like we could have gone somewhere. <clears throat> I could have gotten us a better table at such and such. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, and he's like, he's like, Marcus, where do you tan? You should. I have a tanning bed at home. You should. You should look into that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. So probably my favorite part of the movie is uh, like he's he's definitely pissed at Paul Allen because he he thinks that that Paul Allen uh, you know has got the one up on him or you know is better than him. So so once they go out to dinner, uh, Bateman gets him really drunk, takes him back to his apartment, 
um, and probably, in the apartment. Probably the most iconic scene of the whole movie now. Yeah, I I think if if no one has seen American Psycho like at all, everybody knows the scene. Um, but Bateman um, starts playing um, Huey Lewis in the news. Um, hip to be square, and it's it, yep, hip to be square, and he's he's sitting there and he's like giving his review <laughs> of the album, like he's like. You know, I I thought that their first album was such and such, and then I feel like they really found their sound here. Yep. And it's just like just like diving into like his music review on the album, and at the same time, Alan's like all fucked up because he's gotten him super drunk, um, and <laughs> Alan doesn't even realize that he's like putting on a raincoat. Yep. Um, and, uh, Alan says like, at one point he's like, he looks at the floor and there's like newspaper laid out all over the floor. You got a dog or something? He's like, yeah, he's like, you got a little dog or something like a little (laughs) lobs, like just like, he's just all fucked up. And he's like, he's like, no, I don't. Um, and then just axes the shit out of him. Yeah. But this um, is a this is a death scene to be honest where I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be freaked out or if I'm supposed to laugh because Christian Bale is so over the top with this murder that I'm just like I don't know man just oh, the way he's screaming stuff is like kind of funny I I laugh my ass off every time because he's <laughs> like, like his his little jigs that yeah. he's doing, like, <laughs> like he's got the axe in his hand and he's got the little coat on and he's just kind of like jigging around. Yeah, um, <laughs> it was. I was cra- and, like, I know it's a big murder scene, but I was cracking up, dude. Like, it's so dark and demented, but it's played for comedy. It's so weird. Yeah, and then and, and then you have Hugh Lewis in the news <laughs> playing in the background, and like, you know, funny, funny. Like, Funny side note, on the way to Evil Dead Rise uh, last weekend, you rode with me and I played you Ice Nine Kills and their song Hip to Be Scared. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is their American Psycho song. And in the middle of that song, they yeah. actually reenact the Hey Paul scene. Uh, but they switch, yeah. But they switch it to where Spencer from Ice Nine Kills is like, do you like us nine kills? Not really. Their early work was a little too seen for me. Like, yeah. Yeah. He does kind of. Yeah. 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 Spencer's really well, and, Spencer's and, Spencer's really great at playing the Patrick Bateman character in that, in that song and on stage. Cause he'll actually come out and wear the raincoat and have an ax in his hand. It's awesome. <laughs> well, it's, it's such a good scene too, because like as soon as he starts cutting him up, he's, he's going absolutely crazy. Um, and he's like, he's like, where's your reservation to Dory's area? Now you stupid son of a bitch. Yeah. Like, like, like going, going absolutely nuts. So he goes from this, like, like dancing around goofy <laughs> and then like cuts him up and is like losing his mind as he cuts him up. And then as soon as he's done, uh, you know, he lights himself a cigar and then he just kind of sits back and he's like, ah, 
Yeah. And and he's just cool again. Like he's just fine. Yeah. Um, so he's so and, he's gonna cover up for the murder. So he's gonna take uh, Paul's body out in a bag. And he also runs into one of his rich friends, and his rich friend is like, "Oh my God, where did you get that nighttime bag?" Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It's and and again, it's um, it, it's just all throughout the movie, everybody is so blind to everything Which... that they're just like. They're more concerned about like where did you get that bag or, or yeah. where did you get that rug or and you know whatever they, they don't even see a fucking dead body in there. No, which... and that that line that I just quoted actually reminds me of one of my favorite scenes in Beetlejuice, where uh, the um, uh, the Maitlands are trying to like scare the Dietzes out of their house and like hiding in the closets and shit, <laughs> and Otho and Delia are oh, walking yeah. around and like. Uh, one of them's hiding in the closet and they go, Oh my God. And you think they're scared. And he goes, we can only pray the closets are bigger than this one. Right. Like, yeah. That's what I thought of. It's just really dry, like snooty comments. It's so funny. Uh, but yeah, so I, I mean, it goes on. So he, he kills Alan and uh, Willem Dafoe is the detective and um, Dafoe kind of comes in and starts questioning about Paul Allen being missing yep. who um he's killed uh, but you know at the same time the people are saying they've seen Paul Allen in different spots yeah like, that part oh, I, I, I saw him the other day yeah yeah, that part really threw me for a loop because I didn't know the ending going in. I didn't know that it was going to be left ambiguous. So when when uh, Patrick is, you know, trying to make his alibi and then the detective is like, uh, you know, someone so and so says they they had they saw Paul in London like a few days ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, of course, we get to the end of the, the end of the movie and. Patrick's attorney is like, this joke isn't funny. Like, you couldn't have murdered him. I just had lunch with him 10 days ago, twice. Well, and Patrick's attorney doesn't even know who he is. Yeah. He's like, the but. He calls the, it by a completely different name. Yeah, and he's like, you know, that confession was really funny. Like, I, w- I almost would have bought it, except you said Patrick Bateman did it. What a spineless loser. Yeah, a little shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, dude, some of some of the funniest scenes too are like some of the most brutal. Um, especially because he's he's picking up all these hookers. Yep. Um, and <laughs> he's like he's like pairing them up with um uh with like his like secretary and stuff and like trying to get into three ways with them, but then he's um he's like whipping him with coat hangers and shit that's like really brutal. Um but at the same time he's like <laughs> he's like in the mirror flexing. Yeah, well <laughs> well he's so he pairs Listening up into this crazy music and just like So uh, he so he pairs up two hookers. Like his assistant comes in later and he has a one on one date with her and he ends up letting her go 
because she's like, oh, you're still right. with he gets a voicemail from uh, from his fiance and she's like, oh, you're still with her. I should probably go. And he almost kills her, but he lets her go. Um, and he says, if you stay, oh, I might. Dude, that's the classic like. Um, I might hurt you. Yeah. He says, if um, you if you stay, I might hurt you. Uh, and she goes, I'm yeah, I'll hurt you. Yeah. And she's like. He's like, you don't want to be hurt, do you? And she says, no, I don't want bruises. And then she leaves. Um, meanwhile, just before well, that, he has he, a freaking nail gun right behind her head. That's what I was going to say. Like, that's that's one of the great scenes in the movie is that, like, he's just walking up behind her and, like, he's got a nail gun to her head. Yep. Like, just questioning, like, going, do I want to put a nail through her head? Do I not want to put Okay, so I so uh, I also I also didn't realize that he had killed the model that he met out that he met at the restaurant or whatever. The one that's like, You think I'm yeah, dumb, you yeah. think I'm dumb, don't you? You think all models are dumb. I didn't realize he had killed her until her severed head was in the freezer. Yep. Yep. Uh but dude, we gotta <laughs> So he pairs up two prostitutes. And he yes. he picks up one off the street and he just gives her a name. He's like, you will respond to this name only. And I'm like, you're such a piece of shit, dude. Um, yeah. And yeah. then he does That's, the same thing with the other one. Well, and that builds in that builds into kind of like his fantasy. Yeah. Like, uh, like, like these women aren't people. Yeah. There's something for me to play with. Yeah. You and know? then um, he puts so, he puts yeah. on Phil Collins. <laughs> for them and yeah. he's like yes. take take your robe off take your dress off you dance you put your ass out or something and then yeah he has that just completely out of nowhere line uh talking to the one prostitute to the who's looking at the other girl's butt and he's like please tell me you're please tell me what you're gonna say <laughs> go ahead <laughs> he's like He's like, don't just stare at it, eat it. Yep. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Christy, don't stare at it, just eat it. I was like, um, I was like, what the fuck? Where did this come from? Like that. Well, that... and he's so like, he's so um, like matter of fact about it. It's yeah. not even like, it's not even like playful. No, when he's it's... doing it like. It's it's like I'm I'm just gonna give orders and and I'm you know like so I, I mean you almost obviously he's enjoying it he's doing it for a reason yeah but like the the way that he approaches it like it's it's just like he's giving orders like he's like it's just it's just so fucking bizarre yeah no it's um, really strange and then, and then it leads to the sex scene that you talked about which is one of the weirdest scenes i've ever seen in my life <laughs> with him with him having well, sex with it, the two and prostitutes and a really upbeat like 80s rock song playing and he's flexing in the mirror and winking at the camera and it's just like what is happening right now well yeah it, it throws back to his ocd and his narcissism yeah like he's he's so he's so self-involved that he's he's not even 
I don't even think he cares that he's really having sex no. or or banging these two girls at the same time. Well, they, it's like you know he's he's like looking at himself in the mirror and like flexing, and it's like it's it's all about him. Like he, I it, love like it's just I love when the women are so like uninterested in some of the stuff that he says because when they before oh, they yeah. have before they have sex when they're sitting in his uh, living room. Uh, he sits down, gives them alcohol, and they just like sit there quietly. He's like, "No smoking," uh, and then he just you know sits there and looks at him. He goes, "Don't you want to ask me what I do?" And they go, mm, "Not really." <laughs> and then he's like, "Well, well I, yeah, I, I he's like I work for this big uh, company." And then they he's like, "I'm sure you've heard of it." And they they just shake their head, no, <laughs> like they're like, "No," nah, they're no. so uninterested yeah. in what he's saying. And yeah, and 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 again, it's 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 his narcissism. Like he's he's looking for approval from everyone. Is like the, that's the whole like throughout the whole movie, he's looking for approval or he wants somebody to be impressed with him. Um, and uh, you know, even even for these prostitutes, like or these you know high class hookers. They're like, nah, we deal with you guys every day. Like, yeah. we don't care. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I <laughs> guess... Give I, me my money and let me go. I guess that's what sets him off later. And, you know, thank goodness we don't see it, but it's very implied that he kind of beat them up. And he said, they're like, can we go now after they have sex? And he's like, we're not finished yet. And then they leave with, uh, like, bruises yeah, on them. Yeah, well, that's, that's when he pulls... Well, that's when he pulls the <clears throat> coat hanger out. He Ugh, pulls out a so, coat, like a wire coat hanger. Ugh, so um, awful. Like I, and, I felt really bad yeah, for it, for um, Christy. No, what? Yeah, yeah. One of the one of the. <laughs> well, that's not her name, but that's that's not her name, but that's what he tells her. Right. Well, he he picks, he's gonna call her. He picks one of them up later again, and she's like, "I'll take the money, but no, not not again." I had to, you know, I could file for a lawsuit, and you know almost went i had to go to the emergency room because of you yeah and she says yeah like i'm not i'm not coming back because he's he's rolling up to her um you know in a limo and obviously he's given her a lot of money um yeah but i i I, you know he rolled that's another scene that made me uncomfortable i'm like man i feel i feel so bad for her yeah um and then that's when um the two of them so he picks her up for the second time and that's when um they're getting into their like little sex thing again well he, bring, he, he brings in like, his biting them yeah he brings in his friend yeah, this his time friend. right and that's when he starts like biting them like basically chewing on them so um, turns out and... i i had you lent me a DVD copy of this for a little while. Turns out, I guess I, when I was younger, I guess I just kind of skipped around just to see what the movie was about. Uh, and I skipped forward right. and one of the scenes skips starts at that sex scene with the two girls on the second go around. And I saw this, yeah. I had seen the scene before really quickly where he starts like eating her during sex. Uh, yeah. and then he's yeah. got blood all over his mouth and stuff. And I think, I, I think it was at yeah. that point when I was younger that I'm like, what am I watching? I don't want to watch this. <laughs> like, this is gross. <laughs> and then, so, so when I carried on watching it and I saw the chase scene where Patrick Bateman's naked with a chainsaw 
and we get our Texas Chainsaw right. Massacre homage here. Yeah. Um, I was like very surprised because I had never seen that scene before. And uh, the prostitute's death scene is pretty absurd that he drops a moving chainsaw from like <laughs> six flights yeah, of stairs right. down on her and I, it happens to go through her back. Yeah, she's going down a staircase um, and he's standing at the top of the staircase and he's like almost like he's holding the chainsaw and he's kind of like you see him kind of like rotate with her yeah like trying to like aim aim it out and then once she gets to the bottom he drops it and of course the chainsaw goes goes through her back and then we cut um, immediately and he's drawing a crayon picture of that over uh lunch or dinner with his fiance <laughs> yeah he's yeah he's like having lunch or or dinner with uh his fiance and he's you know drawing a picture of the chainsaw through the chick's back um which, which again, it it lends to like, it, is this happening or is this not happening? Well, I'll tell you what. Um, when we so he breaks off his engagement, this is where he's truly starting to to snap. Um, and uh, oh, you know what? I skipped over a line earlier that made me laugh. Also, where he's talking to some women, and they're like, uh, he's like, they're like, Patrick, what do you do? And he's like, uh. I like oh. I like murders and executions. And then she's like, oh, that's how do you like it? And he goes, what do you mean? And she's like, well, most people that get into uh, what is it? Mur murders and acquisitions. Mergers and acquisitions. They don't really like yeah. it. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? So that was another part where I started to wonder if this was in his head. But I'll tell you what, I was really wondering if it was in his head when he uh, uh sees a cat in front of an ATM and the ATM says, feed me a stray cat. Yeah. So this is this. Yeah. That's towards the end where he goes completely off rails. Um, well, he's like, he's like, he, he shoots a random woman. There's like, he shoots cops and blows up the car and just shoots. Like, yeah, a, he's, yeah. It, it starts off, which is actually a great scene. Um, it starts off where, um, he's going to like the ATM and he goes to the ATM and the ATM is basically text, like talking to him. Mm -hmm. So it's saying the, the ATM says like, um, you know, feed me a cat. And then he looks down and there's like a little kitten sitting there. Um, and he picks up the kitten and he's trying to like feed the kitten into like the money drop. Well then, he, well, then he goes um, to shoot it as well. And I'm like, man, I'm glad this scene didn't happen because a random lady says, what are you doing? And then he shoots her. Yeah, because like, yeah, he's he's like trying to figure out how to get the kitten <laughs> into the ATM and he puts the gun up to its head. Um, and then, yeah, the the random lady comes up and she's like, what are you doing? And he shoots her. Um, and then, yeah, he goes off on this like rampage where He's he's running through a couple of different streets, like shooting at cops, blowing up cars. Yeah, this like, this was a gone. this was another part that made me kind of chuckle. Not the death scenes, but the fact that like he shoots at cops, right? Just cold blood, and he blows up a car. And I'm like, dude, there'd be more than a helicopter chasing after you at that point. And I'm like, this oh, yeah. is this is yeah. just so like over the top and cartoony, and that he. 
goes into a lobby and the person at the desk is like, oh, don't forget to sign in. And he can't find a pen. So he just shoots him. And then (laughs) and then he shoots the janitor just for no reason. And then and then signs in when he gets to his building because he's going to go hide in his office. Right. Well, and that scene, that scene's funny, too, where he's he's got everybody after him. So he, he gets up to like his office and he gets on the phone and he calls his lawyer and he's like, hey, I just need to talk to you. He's like, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm not okay. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just, I just, I just had to kill a lot of people. Yeah. Well then like he's, he's incoherently rambling about all his murders. Like I killed some prostitutes. I killed so-and-so and left her in a park. Yep. I put a head in my freezer. Da 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 da. And it's just so, yeah. it's so over and, the but, top and, and like, dramatic that it's like, I don't, this is funny, but it's not supposed to be. I don't think. Yeah, and he's like, he's like Paul Allen. I chopped him to death with an axe. Um, and there's a hooker that I put <laughs> into a bathtub. Yeah, she's roasting in acid. Um, and he's like, um, like he can't even remember like what all he's done. He's like, yeah, and he says, and I, "I've I've killed I, like twenty to forty people." He's just like I just had to kill a lot of people, <laughs> and then we get the we get the great uh, line of the I guess I I guess I'm a pretty sick guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Patrick's ba- Patrick Bateman is also pretty quotable. We skipped over it, but like his go to excuse whenever he needs to get out of an uncomfortable situation oh. is that he needs to return some videotapes. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Which is like a. Which is like a double double meaning because he's got tapes of like his murders and the sex that he's having, but he also just needs to yeah. return some tapes. That's his excuse, and well, he's got <laughs> he's got all these horror movies and porn that he's gotten from the local video store. Yeah. So anytime that somebody approaches him and he doesn't want to answer a question or just want to kind of avoid the situation. He's just like, I've got to go. I've got to return some tapes. Again, funny, um. funny moment. He just broke up with his fiance at a restaurant, just called off their engagement. She is bawling and he's so uncomfortable because she's making a scene and he gets up to leave. He's like, the matter's done. And she's like, Patrick, where yeah. are you going? He's like, I'm just leaving. Why? I got to return some videotapes. Got to return some videotapes. Like, <laughs> it's just so, that is so not the appropriate thing to say at that point. It's just so absurd, and it, that scene made me um, laugh too. Like, I I used to say that all the time. Um, your sister used to say it to me too. Um, what I used to return some videotapes. Like, yeah, I just be like, "Where are you going? What are you doing?" She's like, "I've got to return some videotapes." <laughs> yeah, it's just a funny, weird line. It was like, and that scene in particular was so like supposed to be kind of dramatic, and it was just funny. And Reese Witherspoon's over the top crying made it even better. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's 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 really hard. It's really hard just from moment to moment how to judge this movie or how to take this movie. I mean, um, especially so like once once we kind of get to the the end yeah he's um, made he's made his confession over well, he, over the and, phone and, and, yeah and then um the well before he drops the chainsaw 
the the prostitute is kind of like running trying to get out of his apartment yep and she's looking in like all of these closets she's just opening doors trying to get out and you just see all these dismembered bodies everywhere like yeah that was you know that's why that scene alone solidified this to me as a maybe it's a horror comedy but it is definitely a horror movie because that is straight out of an 80s slasher yeah where but, you f- you find yeah. all the dismembered bodies in the Who Done It slasher movie, uh, yeah, and then that's that's where she you know kind of trips out and you know everything kind of goes off the rails and then um, it kind of gets to the end. Bateman's gone on his like rampage, shooting everybody, killing like you know ten people, blowing up cop cars, like you know just going ape. And so he's pretty sure at the end, he's like, okay, I'm, I'm caught. Like somebody's going to get me. Yeah. And he's like, okay, they called me down for lunch with all my rich buddies and my attorneys there. And he's like, okay, this is yeah, it. Well, and, and Willem, Willem, Defoe, Willem Defoe is a detective that's been kind of picking at him the whole time. Like just ask him a bunch of questions yeah. You know, where were you? Where where is this person? And I got to so the last time we see Willem Dafoe is when they have lunch together and Patrick's like really starting to sweat because his alibi yeah. isn't lining up with what Willem Dafoe's been told. Um right. but like then Willem Dafoe is just like, "Nah, your story checks out." And it's like if he is if Patrick is killing people, is Willem Dafoe in on it somehow? Because he's like really cool with Patrick Bateman acting just super weird. Well, that's when it comes back to, um, you know, we kind of mentioned it earlier that um, everybody is interchangeable. Yeah. All the characters, because they all, they all have the same job. They wear the same suits. They all kind of look the same, you know? And so it's, it's kind of, and and Willem Dafoe even says, "Oh well, um, you know you you had dinner, or somebody says they had dinner with Paul Allen um, in Italy like two days ago or whatever." Yeah. Um, and and it's just because like earlier in the movie, nobody can identify each other. They don't know who the fuck they are. Yeah. Like they just it's. It's just a, um, it's just a conversation of, of just generalization or people trying to fit in, um, or, or people just being, um, you know, just, uh, just being part of the crowd. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's hard to tell who's who, especially when everybody has the same job, mm-hmm. <laughs> they look the same. <laughs> They they do all the same shit. They go to the same restaurants. Yeah, like so, as like as an, a, a detective or like an inspector or whatever. Like if you're trying to track somebody down, like you know you're gonna try and see what their habits are, or you know whatever. And it they all do the same fucking shit. Like yeah, well it's <laughs> yeah. also how do you identify who's who? Yeah, but that's why I was so confused with Willem Dafoe is that like. Patrick Bateman is clearly insane with what he's saying. Like he cannot get his story straight. I get that he's a busy guy, but he can't get his story straight. He's like sweating like crazy, 
takes a yeah, really takes a really big gulp of alcohol when when he's like, well, I heard this, and then he's like, and then your story checks out, and then Patrick's relieved. But I'm like, dude, the guy is acting so shady anytime you ask him a question <laughs> and it's like yeah you know so it, it just makes me wonder like if this is real is patrick just you know because that ties into the ending with the lawyer if it's real yeah. if it's really happening is patrick getting away with it because of his status yeah and so so by the time we get to the end i mean there's there's huge body count like he's he's done all this crazy shit He's pretty sure that he's caught because he's basically admitted everything to his lawyer and and just told his lawyer, like, yeah, I killed all these people. There's bodies in my apartment, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then so he has pretty much accepted that he's done. So he wakes up in the morning and he goes to check out um, Paul Allen's apartment uh, because he's been using or he says or thinks that he's been using Paul Allen's apartment. Oh dude, this um, this scene this scene was creepy as hell. Yeah, so he goes in and like the apartment's all like spick and span, like totally clean, um repainted, um and even the um the like realtor that's trying to rent the apartment uh is there and he even asks her like what happened here and she's like oh nothing yeah and um, he's like i'm looking for paul allen's place and she's like this isn't this isn't paul's place right and again and yeah. then she's like i don't think you should cause any trouble i think you should just leave and not come back and again it's like yeah. she looks like she he's knows like- she looks like she knows something and it's like, again, like, is there like maybe this is me making making up my own theory, but it seems like at the end people were just like, if if Patrick did kill Paul and all these other people, they're just like cool with that being the case. And he's just off scot free. Yeah. And, you know, so that scene happens and Paul's murders just kind of erased or Paul's alive somewhere uh, supposedly or at least they think he is yeah yeah and then the lawyers like you know you almost had me there that was a funny joke with your voicemail except Patrick Bateman couldn't do that yeah so he yeah he goes to a spot like they're they're kind of like little meetup spot where they always have lunch or get drinks um, and Bateman's you know freaking the fuck out at this point. Um, and so he goes to talk to his lawyer and um, his lawyer, he's like, he's like, Hey, I called you. Did you get my message? And he was like, Oh, that was you. He was like, that was funny. Yeah. Like there's, there's no way that Bateman could have done that or whatever. And so he, even his own lawyer doesn't know that he's Bateman. Yeah. Like, um, so it's, it's kind of weird. And then, well, so at the, at the end of the movie too, um, Bateman's, um, assistant, like his secretary starts looking through his, um, like 
basically his journal or yeah, his she, like planner. She got suspicious too because of a really weird phone call that she got from Patrick where I mean he's pretty certain he's going down and he like pops a bunch of pills and is like I'm not going to make it to my appointment. Yeah. Uh yeah. <laughs> and he's just like I've got crazy shit going on. Uh, yeah. and like, so he's certain he's going down, but then like, you know, he goes into his spot, he's not arrested. Um, and she's looking through his planner, finding all these like awful images of murder and grotesque, like torture. Right. And, uh, but he gets off scot-free and we get the, um, the, and the famous, uh, well, and- when she's when she's looking through the journal too, she sees um, she sees basically everything he's done through the movie. Yeah, like if you if you pay attention to the drawings or whatever he puts out. Yeah, I definitely um, I definitely saw the chainsaw in there. Um, yeah, and I was like, some of these look really familiar. So yeah, it's like a. It's a planner log, but it's filled with his murders, yeah. Um, and we get the famous line at the end of the movie that I actually had heard the line before. I think there's a band I used to listen to that has an album or an EP called This Confession Has Meant Nothing. Uh, yeah. Or a song named that. I didn't know that was from American Psycho. Um, it wasn't till it wasn't until I listened to the Ice Nine Kills song about American Psycho, and they end the song with Spencer saying, uh, "This confession has meant nothing." Yeah, it's meant nothing, and that's where uh, that's yeah, where you're left ambiguous, is because Patrick says, "You know, uh, you know, I'm, he's, I'm, he's gone, he's gone out of his way." Um, because at this point in, in a lot of serial killers in like in history, you know, like have wanted to be caught so mm-hmm. that they're stopped. And so at this, at this point or towards the end, he's like, okay, I want it. Like, it's that same mentality. Like I want to be stopped. Somebody needs to catch me yeah. so that I stop this. Um, and he's confessed to just about everybody that he could and nobody believes him. Yeah. Nobody (laughs) believes him and they won't, they won't do anything. So, you know, you know, he ends with the lines about, you know, I, I, I'm in pain constantly. I want others to feel my pain. And ultimately, despite my efforts, this confession has meant nothing. Has meant absolutely nothing. Yep. And you can take um, that as he got off scot-free or he, I mean, this is all in his head and this is just, I mean, he's just a lost cause at this point. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, even uh, like, even as ambiguous as the ending is, which, which there's a lot of movies that I like that with. And this is, this is one of those because you you kind of want to watch it multiple times just to be like okay let me see if I can figure this out like yeah. is it in his head or is he actually doing it um you know so it's it's one of those that I like to kind of analyze and just be like is it or isn't it um yeah this is uh 
I want to do an episode somewhere down the road um, as like, you know, going back to one of our like round table discussions on ambiguity in horror movies. Because like you yeah. said, it's a very hit or miss strategy. And I felt like American Psycho actually did it really well. Exactly. Um, yeah, and, I, and I, I think like the way I like the way that it's done here, because regardless, the movie's great and it's it's funny and it's clever. And regardless, even if it, he didn't do it or he did do it, it like it's still you get the gore fest and like a lot of great scenes and some scenes that you you know, want to turn away from, um, I mean, it's just, it's just done so well. Yeah. And, and again, like there's, there's so much subtext in here about, um, you know, just, uh, materialism and, um, uh, conformity and just all these different themes that are in there. Um, and it, it, it's just great. Like, and, and it's not one like at the end where I'm like, even, even if he did, or even if he didn't, I don't really care. <laughs> like, yeah. I was gonna, I, mean, <laughs> I thought about ending the podcast episode on it by asking each of us if we think it's real or if we think it's in its head, in his head. And then I'm like, right. There's no real like right answer. Like I've, I've heard people online say like, Oh, it's completely obvious that it's this way, and I'm like, I don't think it is. No, I don't think so. Like, at I, all. like I really don't think um, that you can point like for every like over the top murder or scenario that's in here where it's like, okay, this is a fantasy. There's like an equally realistic factor yes. in play. Yes, that it's like maybe this could be real and not at all a fantasy. And so it's like whenever they start to, you know, tilt the scale one way, they immediately like weigh it back down the other way to where it's just a flat like playing field again. Yeah. So it's like it's like like is he going to drop the chainsaw off of like the fifth or sixth floor and (laughs) catch her in the back, (laughs) Um, especially with the blade not running? No. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um. But at the same time, you know, he's cutting Paul Allen up with that freaking axe. Yeah. Like, yeah, totally, totally doable. Um, and, you know, abusing the hookers or do whatever he's doing. Like, or, so taking it, or taking yeah. his rage out on a homeless man and his dog. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's factors where it's like, yeah, that's totally doable or that's totally believable. Um, but then you have these fantasies too. Um, and it's like, okay, so which one, which one's happening? Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, like I said, like it, it doesn't matter to me. (laughs) (laughs) I, I still try and figure it out now. Having read the book, um, my understanding from the book is that, um, his Bateman's dad, had so much money that he covered everything for him. Okay, so there's some stuff in here to, at the ending that's very like very much a nod to that because that's what I was right. saying is like 
are Willem Dafoe and his attorney, like, and the person cleaning up Paul's apartment, are they in on it? Right. So, um, yeah. So, by reading the book, it's it's pretty clear from the book that he's just so privileged that everything got covered up for him and daddy has enough money to just cover it. Yeah. Well, but you know, I mean, that that is a, that's, I mean, the social commentary is still there even with that ending, but I, I like that the movie, I like that the movie took that and ran with it in a different way where it's like, maybe it is real or maybe it isn't. It's up to you to try to decipher for yourself. If, if it's one way yeah. or the other. Um, and, uh, you know, I obviously we know uh, where you stand on this movie. I know it's one of your favorites and, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just so it's, it's so funny and it's so quirky and there's just, it, you know, like I said earlier, there's, there's moments where you're not sure whether you should be laughing or you should be terrified. Um, <laughs> It's just it's just so well done, um, and uh, you know, and and there's probably there's a lot of stuff in there that you probably shouldn't be laughing at, but you do. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's no. freaking hilarious. Um, and and I will never ever get over, um, especially the Paul Allen scene mm-hmm. where he, you know he's talking about him to be square and buttoning up his raincoat <laughs> yep. and like just getting ready to kill him. And it's just, it's, it's hilarious. Like yeah. it's so good. Yeah. And, uh, that's kind of where I'm at as we wrap it up here. Um, I mean, this is a performance that's going to stand out from Christian Bale's career forever. Um, absolutely. He is synonymous with this role. He plays it to perfection um, and this is a movie that, uh, that, you know, even having seen it only once for, for this discussion, it's a movie that keeps on giving, I'm going to rewatch it and, you know, keep trying to decipher and, you know, trying to, and try to figure out the story more and see what I think going forward. But, you know, it's, I'm glad, uh, man. I mean, it's, it's one of those that, uh, again, <laughs> I'm always telling you to watch yeah. whatever movie like 50 million times. Yeah, uh, but, but um, yeah, but the different, but the difference with this one is that like, yes, you recommended, you know, like from dusk till dawn, uh, for yeah. me and like, that's a great movie. It's a very fun movie, but once I watch it, there's not a whole lot to dive into other than it's just a fun vampire, like, yeah, it's grind, yeah. grindhouse movie. This one has yeah. more more layers to dive into. Um, yeah, absolutely. And uh, so, yeah, I'm glad we finally got to discuss it. I think that this was uh, probably one of our more in-depth discussions that we've done on the show. And I'm, I'm glad that uh, that you picked it and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I knew it was going to be because um, there's there's just so much in there to just dive into. Like, I mean, I, I could probably do three or four more <laughs> podcasts <laughs> just talking about this movie well um just because there's there's so much in there to like just to dissect well um, we as much as that would be fun to do we'll we'll save that for off the air because we got <laughs> we got more movie picks to get to one of which coming up very soon is uh another crossover with uh with some people Yes, I and, can't wait. 
I'm very excited about that. So stay tuned for an upcoming episode where it'll be another crossover uh, with some people that we really love and that we really well, like, <laughs> that we really like talking to. I think I think I finally threw out one that um, uh, none of you have seen. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll let you guess on who it is, but I, I think you all can figure it out that who we're talking to and who we're doing a crossover with. So stay tuned <laughs> for that and stay tuned for more movie picks. Um, we're actually, I mean, when this comes out, this is episode 44 of the podcast. So we are, you know, in like two months approaching our one year anniversary of the podcast already. And episode yeah, 50. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, yeah. One of my friends was asking me about it today. He's like, how long have you guys been doing it? And I was like, we're swiftly approaching our our year kind of anniversary. So Yeah, so we're coming up on one year of Midnight Terrors, so, and we're going to approach 50 episodes before we know it. I think we'll have to do something real big for that one. Um, yeah, and, for sure. Uh, so yeah, stay tuned. We got a lot of stuff in the works for the podcast as well as we go later into the year. Uh, So stay tuned. But in the meantime, thank you all for listening to our episode on American Psycho. And uh, get in touch with us, Midnight Terrors Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Shoot us an email at midnightterrorspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we'll be back again next Sunday with another episode of Midnight Terrors. Or Jason, how are we saying it this week? Um, The Midnight Terrors Podcast. Yeah, buddy. All right, everyone, this is the Midnight Terrors podcast. Thank you for listening. We will see you all again next week. Peace.